Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. But the good news is in business, it doesn't matter. You don't have to resolve the millennia-old debate about whether subjective absolute truth is possible or objective absolute truth. You don't have to resolve it. You just go to results. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Is reality in a business open to interpretation? We live in a world where the existence of, quote, alternative facts is now accepted by many. How do you manage someone when they're seeing a situation so differently that you just can't see eye to eye? It's related to a philosophical question humans have struggled with since our civilization began. But fortunately for you, there's a simple way through it. Keep listening to find out more. This series is from a recent webcast that happens each week for members. For more information about the many benefits of Clear and Open membership and how to get the help you need in conversations like this, go to clearandopen.com. Now let's dive in. Thanks for listening. You know, when I used to do martial arts, everyone grows at their own pace and changes at their own pace. And however you are doing the thing on a night-to-night basis, it's fine. You know, there's this one technique in Aikido called uh, Iriminage that uh, its nickname is the 20-year technique because people would say it takes 20 years to be able to do well. And so, it's, you know, you do, will do one technique for 20 years, that one in particular. Like you can do that for 20 years and be constantly learning about it and getting better at it. And that's fine. But then when you want to take a test, it's better. It's got to look a certain way. It has to be at a certain standard. And that, that technique starts at the very bottom of the test, fifth cue. And you do that technique in every test all the way up to after third or fourth through black belt. You don't really do tests anymore that way. But for every rank, you do that technique. And every test, it's got to look a certain way. That's an objective standard. You know? And that's why things like, you know, the military they have objective standards. It's like, you know, uh, I knew a guy who applied, who did the officer candidate school application. Or I don't remember a specific one about that, but like FBI. Uh, last I heard, uh, when you apply to the FBI, you got to be able to run two miles in 12 minutes. That's not easy. Holy crap. Yeah, that's not easy. Right? That's just Consecutively? Um, yeah, two <laughs> miles in 12 minutes. I could run one six-minute mile you know, with some training. Two, that's another thing. You know? And it's like, that's it. It's not, well, my ankle, I have ankle problems and it's really hard and I've been really busy. Well, no, your application is rejected. You know, that's it. And there's been an erosion of these kinds of objective standards in our society. We now live in a world where there's such a thing as an alternative fact, right? That's the erosion of that. And you see this start to come up in, in business situations where like you'll say to an employee, Hey, you did this for the client and this was the impact and this is really a problem. Well, that was your interpretation of what happened. I see it differently. What? (laughs) Right? That's a purizing where they're saying, well, my interpretation of the situation is just as valid as my boss's interpretation of the situation. Yeah, it's not. 
It's not. That's subjectivism. I think the uh, subjectivism has always been there. It's just been sort of mainstreamed now recently, where you know you can be looked at as the aberrant, aberrant type of behavior, but now it's being mainstreamed and and, and people are being required to actually uh, adhere to those at subjectivity when it's yep. it never used to be. Yeah, I think you're right. It started, I just remember while you were saying that, you're totally right, Joe. There was a, a small segment of my uh, early 20s where I was substitute teaching in uh, the San Francisco in the Bay Area um, public schools. Oh my God. I was not cut out for that. You know, like <laughs> Oakland and like, no. you know, like, yeah. <laughs> there were like 13 year olds who were t- taller than I was. <laughs> and, um, and I remember once in a classroom, somebody, uh, you know, somebody said, you know, like all African American here, I'm this white kid from uh, Massachusetts. And someone made a, uh, uh, a grammatical mistake, said something, you know, like a subject verb agreement or something. And I just, without even thinking, I just corrected it. And, and the girl went, Ebonics. Remember Ebonics? <laughs> just dismissed my correction like, it's Ebonics. And she was right, of course. But, th- you know, I don't know how it was in that school, but I believe public education was still teaching and still is teaching standard written English. And um, not folding to the uh, um, Ebonics uh, standard. And that's a really interesting thing in terms of um, subjectivity. I studied Ebonics a little bit in, uh, in college in a linguistics class. And it's a fact, fascinatingly, that Ebonics is more grammatical than standard written English. It has more rules and is more rigid. So it's like when we hear it, when, when someone who learns standard written English hears someone say... You know, I beheaded into town now. We hear, well, that's wrong. But you just heard an alternative rule. People who talk that way use that consistently. They don't, they're not just screwing up. They're just, they're using a different rule every time, right? So it's actually highly grammatical. It's just that the rules are sometimes just completely upside down, but it's not indiscriminate. Right. So in one way, the subjectivity is real. Okay. Well, they just are in certain kinds of sentences, they use a different verb or a different subject verb agreement. It's not indiscriminate. But at the same time, you can't run a school teaching, allowing for both. It would make a mess. Right. Yeah. Because it's just like running a school where people, you know, where you're supposed to learn two languages at the same time. You, it's going to slow things down. Even though some schools do that, and there's a school of thought that says, you know, uh, you should learn two, two, two languages at the same time. So the subjectivity, objectivity thing is, you know, it's something that humans have been struggling with, you know, since the dawn of civilization. You know, whether there's such a thing as, as uh, objective truth or not, and how much the an individual's uh, interpretation needs to be honored. That's the, the center of every religious and philosophical debate. And, and the jury is out. But the good news is in business, it doesn't matter. You don't have to resolve the millennia-old debate about whether subjective absolute truth is possible or objective absolute truth. You don't have to resolve it. You just go to results. Simple. And there's a kind of rest in that. You know, there's, there's a kind of freedom in that. We don't have to know the truth here. We're just going to go with what works. Now, there are other situations where that's not appropriate. You know, like I'd say in a personal conflict, what works is weird. 
right? It's you want to know what's authentically going on for two people. What's what's the truth in our intimate relationship? Not what works. Or, you know, when people say, well, our relationship is dead, but we'll stay together for the kids, that's putting competence ahead of authenticity. You see, that's the opposite. You know what I'm saying? When a relationship, when people say, well, our relationship is dead, and if we didn't have kids, we'd get divorced, but let's stay together for the kids because that will make us more competent parents. That's putting competence ahead of authenticity. Because what, in my opinion, happens there is you end up modeling a dysfunctional relationship as functional for your kids. And then they'll grow up and create a dead relationship of their own. So whenever anybody says, let's stay together for the sake of the kids, I summarily reject it. Because it's not authentic. You think your kids can't feel the lack of love between the two of you? Kids can feel that kind of stuff a mile away. Yeah. So... That's an example of the opposite problem when they when when parents uh, when people put competence ahead of emotion ahead of of realness. What they're really saying is it would be inconvenient for us to split up, so let's just stay together. It would be uncomfortable for us to actually follow what's true for our hearts here, so let's just stay together because it's functional. That's the opposite problem. Same domain contamination, other other way. But in the end, you get to do whatever you want and. Uh, Life tells you what the results are. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.